Hey everyone, welcome back to Christ is the Cure. Today is the final episode of the Denomination series, and I am pretty sure this is the first time that I predicted a length of a series and was even close to what I predicted. I said, I think, I think I said it, about 12 episodes, and here we are, 12 episodes, bam, we did it. So... Um, today's episode is a miscellaneous on just a few groups. I almost included some extra groups that I really wouldn't consider denominations, but groups that you may want to know about. But then I was like, no, that, that kind of just goes off the rails of what the series has been. And so this last episode will be a brief history, and that's even briefer than the other brief histories we've had, and summary of four groups in particular, and then we'll have concluding thoughts, and that'll be a wrap for this series. So group number one, we're talking about the Quakers. Now, the Quakers were originally called the Friends, or the Religious Society of Friends, and they can be traced back actually to the 1650s in England. They're tied with a man named George Fox, who stated that he had heard a voice that told him that this voice, or inner light, is the true light that is Christ found in John 1, 9. And so he came to teach that everyone had this inner light, this uh, inner voice available to them, and he began to emphasize experience over creeds, ordinary church practices, and even distinctions between laymen and clergy. The followers of Fox fought for freedom of speech and assembly for worship apart from the state church, and this led to Fox being taken to court and jailed for six years. For 40 years, the Quakers, which was a term given to Fox at his trial by the judge, they would be imprisoned and persecuted because of their separation from the state church. The Religious Society of Friends would officially be founded in 1652, and they would move to the American colonies, but they would also be persecuted there in the Massachusetts area, and that would actually happen until 1689 when the Act of Toleration was passed. Now, despite fighting uphill battles continuously, the Quakers continued to grow and had significant numbers. By the 18th century, however, the Quaker leadership led to a more rigid enforcement of various disciplines. At this time, being kicked from the congregation or the meeting was common. Marrying outside of the Quakers was forbidden recreation and arts were considered taboo, and so forth. But this actually led to splits, which would result in three primary groups, and the rest is history. Now, the Quakers were exceptional in terms of their public service and community work. The real distinctive being this concept of inner light that was found within all people that led humankind to pursue good, um, seek perfection, rely on individual guidance of the spirit, and so forth. So community living was emphasized. Members were tracked by birth, death, marriage, conduct of business, and treatment of others. There's really a fluidity to Quaker services and organization. Uh, for the sacraments, right, Quakers are more concerned with the spiritual elements than the physical. And there are occurrences of a more evangelical stream of Quakers that are similar to non-denominational churches, yet without baptism and the Lord's Supper. Their assemblies or meetings usually have a period of quiet time as well, where individuals will only speak when they're prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so. In terms of the debate on, you know, the conservative and the liberals within Quakers, there's really a spectrum. That's just the way it goes. The next group are the fundamentalists, and 
Fundamentalism is hard to categorize and track because there's really a variety within the movement. It's more of a movement than a denomination, but it does have denominations, right, that came out of it. Um, fundamentalism was specifically known for running against modernism. That's really where it came from. And it ran against trends in biblical scholarship and scientific theories to what degree it really differs amongst those within the movement. It places the Bible front and center, usually with an emphasis on solo scriptura. And the bodies that came out of fundamentalism really had connections with other denominations first. So you had fundamentalist Baptists and Presbyterians, holiness churches, uh, restoration movement churches, like non-denominational. A couple of big things that occurred because of this movement was the rise of Bible colleges in the between the 20s and the 70s, the 1900s. And then also Bible churches, Bible colleges, you know, whenever it comes to fundamentalism kind of differ. Usually whenever I've read up on fundamentalism, D.L. Moody is kind of brought up and Moody Bible Institute. But then if you compare him with other fundamentalists, then there really is kind of a spectrum on who's more conservative within the fundamentalist group, which goes to say that fundamentalism is generally conservative in terms of everything we've said already. Uh, there was a really big focus on traditional Christian values and beliefs becoming really the major battle cry and different ideologies started kind of crossing, uh, even in terms of like nationalism and um, American ideals and things like that. And so it becomes really hard to trace the it's, it's more of an ideology. So I'm not really sure why it's classified as a denomination in various works, in my opinion. Anyway, the primary thing that really stands out to me that glues them together is this ideology of avoiding modernism, holding to biblical inerrancy, and literal interpretation of the scriptures as much as possible. But even this, like these these features aren't exclusive to fundamentalism, right? So their their unity and expressions are really diverse. You have the Bible churches, right? And then you have the independent fundamentalist Baptists. And to what degree they reject what they consider modernism or biblical scholarship differs really. And, and sometimes they sound like a restoration church in terms of how they view history, right? So th there really is a diversity here that I won't attempt to go further into describing different groups. Our next one is Calvary Chapel. Uh, Calvary Chapel began in the 60s in California underneath a man named Church Smith. And it began as an independent denomination as Smith became weary of other denominations and it really focused on practical everyday needs. Calvary Chapel is usually credited with reaching out to the California beach culture, especially with those who suffer from drug addiction. Smith was crucial to the Jesus freak ideology and the original model for what's called the House of Miracles, which is a place of support for recent Christian converts. He's also known for turning secular music into Christian worship, uh, or the style rather. Uh, and he did this through recording companies that he founded. And then he also radically um, impacted worship culture in general, the contemporary, more informal worship styles and attire kind of thing. The Calvary Chapel Association puts a stress on evangelism, conversion, and personal experiences. And they are generally considered a renewal movement and different um, works. They are known as charismatic yet conservative. They hold to credo baptism and pure memorialism of the supper. Our last group, man, this really is going to be a short episode, are the Messianic Jews. 
The Messianic Jews are generally Jews who have come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and Son of God. They are not only made up of Jews, however, they do have Gentiles who join into their congregation. But because of this, there is a more blending of Judaism and Christianity in terms of traditions and in terms of that culture. But it, they are Christian in doctrine. There are Messianic ministries that are theologically Christian. Now, the distinctions and emphasis on this group obviously are found in the Judaism that is retained in those Jews who have found Messiah, and that includes the observance of Old Testament holy days and traditions of Judaism, such as observing a Saturday Sabbath, according to Jewish timing, which would be Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. Various groups, such as the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, are evangelical in their understanding of being born again, the Christian canon of scripture, and involvement in Christian theology. It it is worth stating that Messianic Jew does not inherently mean Torah observant in the way of the more extreme Torah observance. So that would be a deviation from that. Um, a lot of times, whenever you look into Messianic Jews who are evangelical, you'll find them say things like, these Old Testament holy days can be beneficial for the Christian Gentile, but not necessary for the Gentile, right? In, in the same way that others do. So that was our last group. I had a couple of others that I thought about including, but they were either so modern that they don't really count or their history just kind of like tapered off and not really sure how prominent they are. Like, I don't believe that they really got the status to be classified. They're more just independents that popped up and uh, who knows. So as we close the series, we have actually looked at nine traditions or theological streams of thought, with six of them being formally Protestant, according to what I outlined before. Within those streams, there are various groups that share the same basic values of the larger tradition. I think it's more helpful to classify denominations as those traditions, but I know that most folk go with the organization model. And so that kind of goes back to episode what, two? about how do we count and define denominations. Um, within these traditions, though, you will find those various groups who are fundamentally identified with that larger tradition, apart from those deviations that we also discussed. Every group struggles with the issues of modernism and liberalism and how to navigate in uh, the current issues of our day. Basically, no tradition is immune from that. Not even Catholics, not even Eastern Orthodox. They're all Everyone's dealing with it. Furthermore, in the Protestant streams, there is a broader unity amongst these groups with differences often exaggerated by their emphasis, with the exception of differences on like baptism and the nature of the Lord's Supper. Additionally, those Protestant streams have formal continuity with the historic church on key doctrines like Trinitarianism and Christology, um, and yet they still do have the problem of those dissenting groups and laymen, as it has been in every tradition. Those dissenting groups, however, are not really the standard as far as i'm concerned the standard is the historical tradition that we are discussing um now the series has not covered the depth of each group hasn't covered the depth of their literature their figures or even the richness of each group's um, articulations hopefully however it has helped you to navigate some general staples of these groups and giving you some language that you can use to conduct more thorough research that said, that is the conclusion of the denomination series. Our next series, I'm looking forward to it. 
You can look on the social media pages to get some updates on what to expect from that. If you are a patron, you already know what the series is, and hopefully by the time that this airs, you will have some of that early content. Christ the Cure is subscriber-supported. We do need more patrons to go into Season 5, so prayerfully consider joining Patreon and becoming a part of the Christ the Cure support team if you find Christ the Cure valuable, which I'm hoping that the next series will be a particularly useful tool. And one last note before we close out today's episode, which I know is wildly short. Like, we're not even hitting the 15-minute mark. But there will be a two-week break where we come back on the first week of March to begin the new series. I want to have that time to start prepping that new series and not have to worry about rushing the materials. So that's it for the Denomination series. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being a part of Christ of the Cure. And have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.